This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. It is always much appreciated when you tune in. Today, I'm joined by Mississippi State quarterbacks coach Darcel McBath, who coached Emmanuel Forbes in college. He had some really interesting insight on what the commander's first round pick is like and why he is such an effective corner and why the weight is not something there were that he was worried about in college. Although he did have some concerns when he first put him in the game because wait till you hear what he weighed as a freshman. So there was some concern with him there. And then what he found is it didn't make a difference. So there were things he can do to mitigate it. But also he talks about that interception against Kentucky, why he made that play. Very interesting, and it's I think it shows what the commanders really got. So good stuff, so stay tuned for that. Before I get there, just a couple little nuggets for you. Let's start with Chase Ruye and Andrew Norwell because at some point they are going to be cut. It's really just a matter of making sure they're both cleared physically to do all the activities because then you can get make some moves there. Now, here's what Washington has, again, approximately $3 million in available cap space. Their rookie salaries are included in that, in, in that. so they have $3 million. You can, if you cut Ruye and Norwell, if you make it a pre-June 1 release, which means all the money goes on to this year's cap, then they would save it's about $6.7, $6.8 million on the cap combined. If you make it post-June 1 and you spread it out over this year and next year, you're saving almost $12.7 million or or approximately $12.7 on the cap. That would give you enough to do whatever you want this year as far as whether if you want to pick someone else up. If you you need to make a couple in-season moves, you can do that. And like I as I told you, they definitely are still in the market for another linebacker. So that's still on the list. They have to go do it. We've talked about that, so I don't want to waste time on that. And then let's get to Kendall Fuller. I don't see him going anywhere, folks. He's, like I said, I mean, and because they drafted a couple different corner, a corner and someone who can play the slot in, in Quan Martin, there was a talk about that, but I don't get the sense that he's going to go anywhere. They don't have to make a move with him because they have the cap room with what they have now. And so we'll just, we'll just leave it right there. And then when you look at like their undrafted free agents, they signed 12 the other day. Was it five receivers? When you look at the receiver depth chart, they could add, they could use a couple more guys. I mean, I know they signed Marcus Kemp in the offseason. They lost Cam Sims. They still have Dax Milne. And then you have the, the top four, McLaurin, Samuel, Dotson, 
and then Deami Brown, but Deami Brown's got to do something. So, but they, but that's that would be your top four. So they did sign five guys, see what they can do there. Taz Allen, guy from UCLA, is a very fast guy. So he's an interesting one to watch. See if he can he also helped as a returner in college. But now the, the thing they really need as a returner is a punt returner. They can always use Antonio Gibson as a kick returner as long as he's not being a primary back. That's the role they see for him because they want to get him more touches with the ball. So anyway, there you go. And now I will say the top, the top two undrafted free agents that they signed for them, or the top, their top two targets, one was guard Mason Brooks, and I told you about him before. The other one was safety Kendall Smith from Illinois, another Illinois guy. But those were they had four top targets. Those were two of them. And um, so just so you know, and it doesn't always mean anything like when every time they sign these guys, there's always I always hear pretty much about almost every guy. Watch out for this guy. He's going to make the roster. Somebody's always right because they I hear about seven or eight guys. So and and usually you're going to get a couple of guys. And even with the way the practice squads are now, you can get guys on there, but they can always be elevated. It's a lot easier than it was before. So it's a little bit different. So anyway, now, you know, all that. And then, you know, um, one of the things that you start to hear early on too, is one thing I just want to go over this real quick, and I'll probably spend more time on this on future podcasts, but everybody talks about was worried about the offense, rightfully so. There's a lot of things that they have to have to be improved, but I don't, I don't think you can understate the difference that I think Eric Bieniemy can make as an offense coordinator. It's not just, it's not about the play calls folks that, and I remember I played this, uh, conversation I had, or conversation, a couple questions I asked Andy Reid at the owners' meetings. That was on our YouTube page, where you know, and if you didn't see that, you can go back and listen to it. And I asked him what all that goes into being an offense coordinator because it's way more than just calling plays. And Andy Reid was pretty good on that, just kind of going over the things that 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 you do. But I think for Bienemy, it's also it's it's changing, it's adding energy, it's changing the structure it's it's providing a different level of expectations but also how the relationships that he that he builds with players it's so much more than just calling plays and i think you cannot underscore that impact and you know you talk to some people over there and they're like i don't know how this guy isn't a head coach when they're around him because of what they feel so i would just say if they have a good year he's going to be a one and done here um but that if he ha- if he's one and done here, it means they had a really good year. So, but I just I just like when people start looking at the offense, you need to include that change as part of the overall offensive landscape because I do think that's a pretty big one. And it's you know you hear again about the way the way he goes about dealing with some of the players and just how they are on the field and just some of the structure and the changes that he. He is not shy about going to Rivera, for example, and saying, hey, can we change this? Can we change that? Can we tweak this, tweak that, adapt this? And and, and but he always he always gives a reason why he wants to do something. So, you know, just understand that I think he's been he might be the biggest pickup they made all offseason was that. And so when you're looking at offense, everybody's worried about, oh my God, do they they didn't draft a tight end? Well, I never thought they would. Um or I didn't think they would, but the point is, you you know, the left guard, oh my God, left guard. The enemy, I think, is going to be, well, if they do well, I think it's as much because they hired the enemy 
and and he brought a different sort of attitude, not just the attitude, but just the way he's building that offense, the way he connects with players. I think it's just it's on a far, far different level than I think it was with Scott Turner, who was that's just that's not what he does. Or that's not what he did. And so I think that matters. I think Tavita Pritchard is a little bit is a lot like that as well. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that uh, the impact that makes on the field. But I just, you know, I would just say when you're looking at the offense and what they've added, you have to include that as a as a major, you know, major change and something that could pay more dividends. And again, if they had gone out, I'll tell you what, if they kept Scott Turner and they go out and get this great left guard. They're better off with what they have with with the enemy and then a left a left guard or or whomever. So, we'll, it's got to play out. It's got to they've got to do well in the field and they have to get good quarterback play from Sam Howell. But I do think the enemy could be a could be a pretty big change for them. Um, so we'll see. Long way to go before it, but I do think it's something to pay attention to, see how it develops, and just the little changes internally that occur because of it. So there you go. Anyway, that's enough for me. I will say Darcel McBath was really good. So let's get to him. Here's my conversation with Mississippi State quarterbacks coach and former NFL player, Darcel McBath. The world isn't wide enough. Get immersed in the expansive views of the 48-inch customizable panoramic display in the all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid. Explore more at Lincoln.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Tic Tac. Minty, refreshing, classic. And it's not just the Tic Tac mints. It's the new track by Canise with beats that'll leave you feeling as refreshed as a Tic Tac and a vibe that'll take you on a ride through 100 layers of flavor. Does it get any fresher than this? Enjoy the bright side, that hundred layer joy ride. Pop one, let's paint the town. Freshman flavors all around. Take a ride on a Tic Tac. Pick up a pack of Tic Tac mints today. Did you know the largest ropes course in Zipline Park in the country is right here in the DMV? Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and zip lining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC. So there you have it, folks. Climbing, zip lining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code KIME23DC. Well, Coach, let's just start with in general. 
what is Washington getting in Emmanuel Forbes? I mean, they're, they're, they're getting an unbelievable football player. I mean, a ball hawk, someone with great instincts, um, tough, physical, but does all the things that you cannot coach, you know, all the things um, that, that come natural to him that you want a guy to do. Um, he can do them, and it, which puts him a cut above so many other players. Well, one of those things, Darcel, that he can do very well, as you know, is re, is pick passes off, and yeah. he returns it for touchdowns. And it's funny because I know, like you know, they're all you can get tip pass, you can do this, you can do that, but guys, certain guys just know how to get the ball. Yeah. What? Why does he do such a good job in that area? Well, because it's, it's always on his mind. You know, he's not uh, just covering a receiver to cover him. You know, he's he's wanting to dominate the route so that he can take the ball away. You know, that that's the we always say there's 22 guys on the field. There's one ball. And if you can get it more than more than other guys, you're, you're more valuable. And uh, he really takes hold of that. He understands that getting putting the ball in his hands, taking the ball away from the offense can change the game. Um, and and. He's played receiver before, and he has those receiver skills, and it's just in him, and it's it's an, a trait that uh, has never left him. But but you you played in the league, you've you've coached, yep. Why, like everybody wants to take the ball away, but he doesn't. <laughs> so are there like are there different things? Because it's like you can want it, but there's some wanting it and them doing it as consistently as he's done it. So when I look, you know, when I watch some stuff of him before the draft and all that. He seems like a very smart guy too, and putting himself in position to go make those plays. Absolutely, and that and that's one of the things that puts him a cut above. You know, he he studies the game, right? He he understands formations and tendencies, and and when we talk about those things leading up to a game, you know, that's what he, that's when he get, really gets uh, into the game plan. You know, um, he's he's the best I've been around in terms of coaching him and telling him, hey, when you see this. You're only getting a couple of things, right? You're only getting a couple of routes. He, he can recognize things in the middle of a game um, that most guys can't. It takes him three or four times to get it. You know, he usually gets it on the first try. He's he's just that sharp. He's always a step a step ahead. He's always playing chess. The game has never been too fast for him. You know, he was always he's always been looking for those opportunities. But again, to your point, above the neck football, he's always prepared himself for those opportunities. What's an example of a play where you say like you took him like you went like that? Would you remember a game or anything in particular? I, I can think of ten, but I'll give you my favorite. Okay, there's we're playing Kentucky. Um, they do a two point play on the a two point play on a goal line versus Florida. So I show it that morning. You know, I think they did it once or twice during the season, but I only show it once, and I show it Saturday morning before the game. I say, you know, we get this Z in motion, third and short two-point play situation, um, this is one of their go-to plays. Uh, the, the play comes up in the game, and he just jumps the route. He gets, this, he gets the same, similar a similar formation. It wasn't exactly the same, right? They, they got good coaches. Uh, a similar formation. He gets the Z in motion. He sees it, jumps it, takes it to the house. That so, was the interception against Kentucky. I was going to ask you. So that's that's where that came from. Yeah. So he – that like – Things like that where I only told him once. He can recall those things. And um, it's just, I mean, it's impressive. It makes you look good as a coach. <laughs> well, I know these guys brought up that Kentucky player where it's like, I think it was Eric Stokes was like, you guys got, and I had seen it, 
But he's like, you got to watch that play because it's just crazy. I've never seen a guy do that. But it, that's why I say you can't do that. Like people talk about instincts. To me, instincts are honed by film study and, and just your processing. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. You got, you know, had a conversation with some uh, some guys last uh, earlier this week, and they were just talking about gambling. I said, you know, it's more, you know, it's not gambling when you prepare for it. Right. You know, you're, 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 it's process of elimination kind of a deal. So um, that that's a manual. There was also, I, there was a defensive backs coach here, Steve Jackson, who played in the league. And I remember talking to him years ago, and he would say, there are some guys who just can take the ball away. And then other guys come back to the sidelines and say, oh, coach, I saw it. And next time I see this, I'm going to do this. And the next time comes, they still don't do it because they don't have, there's something inside them where they don't trust it too. So they might yeah. see us, but you also have to trust what you see. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to have the confidence, you know, it's a, it's a confidence factor and he's a, supremely confident to go make that play, to know that you're right. Um, and he's had that since day one. So what stepped on campus. Cause again, he's had, he had six of those taken to the house. Mm-hmm. Are there any other ones that stand out to you? I mean, the Kentucky one is a step above, but are there any other ones that stand out to you for, just like you said, recognition and then going and, and making the play? Yeah, you know, we. I mean, I think of his freshman year when um, we're, we're playing in the bowl game versus Tulsa, and he's he's we're playing, you know, just cover three, basic cover three, um, and the curl flat defender has to carry the, the out and up or the wheel, um, as most guys will say, and he's dividing the post and the there's a lot of space between them. And we talked about it all week, man. They're going to try to create that separation. If you can come off, and I kept just saying, those guys get beat. If you can man turn off of this and go make a tackle to get these guys down to save us, that's all I was I, – I, I thought we could get out of it. No, he he sees it, comes off the post, intercepts the wheel route, takes it to the house. You know, he's just – he's you know, he's just a, he's a cut above, man. He mentally – uh, prepares himself and he's and mentally confident, so confident in how he does it is it's unbelievable. Does he just how much? Because when you're doing that, I mean, a lot of film study has to go into that. Is it is or is he just like? And some people just get it right away, like you said. But how much was he doing extra film study and all that? Yeah, he you know he's always done extra film, um, ramped up as he as he got older. He understood that every game is basically an open book test. Uh, and but he's always been a film guy. He's always been a junkie. He's always been a kid who would raise his hand as a freshman and ask questions. If he didn't understand something, hey, what do you mean by that, coach? Um, so he's he never shy to ask questions and learn. Um, he's kind of a sponge. Once you tell him something once, he has it. You know, you show him something once, he has it. There's there's not going to be a reteaching of things. And I think one of the more impressive things is sometimes we'll pull stuff from things we hadn't done for four or five weeks. And he can go out and execute during a game um, because he could just recall that well. So, um, again, above the neck football separates that guy. And I was going to say, because you, again, you played in the league and you played with guys like Champ Bailey and you played in a couple different systems. You played for some really good defensive coaches. So mm-hmm. what did you did? What did you see in him early that suggested he could go down this path? Um, the instincts and the ball skills, you know, that it truly is rare. Um, you get a lot of players who can you go through ball drills and you they can catch the ball. They got good hands, right? But you put them in a live football situation, um, and it's just not there. It doesn't show up in the same the same way. For him, from day one, 
it always showed up the same way. That ball was in the air. And he could get to it. He was going to get to it. And he was uh, he was going to get his hands on it. So, it, you know, I, that that is not as uh, – that is so rare that people don't quite understand it. You can teach a guy to be better at it, but they, they'll never be elite um, if they don't if they don't have those traits. So the other guy, like I covered Deshaun Jackson here and, and who was – tracked the ball down the field exceptionally well had the great speed but tracked it well and he would talk about how baseball helped him with that yeah Emmanuel played baseball too in how much does that does that do you think that helped him as well oh I think so you know I think um I think all sports helping a little in in some form right he's big he's a big basketball guy he was a big baseball guy and those things translate so we're playing math uh Man-to-man coverage, his basketball skills, the lateral ability to change the direction, that helps him in that in man-to-man coverage. Then the baseball aspect of it helps him tracking the ball. Um, so I think at all of the, you know, I think every sport has something um that kind of kind of lends itself to helping you play football. How much did like having a guy like Martin Emerson too there with him and help how how did they help each other? Yeah. You want to talk about the two of the most competitive jokers you'll ever meet. Mm. Now because, you know, when Martin Martin was kind of solidified as a starter when, when Junior came in and Junior got right under his wing and, you know, they were thick as thieves. And Junior was trying to learn everything he could, uh, pick up on things, understand how to be a, you know, a college athlete, a college uh, football player. And he did. And Martin brought him along. Um, and then from there, they just, I'm telling you, two guys who practiced the hardest. Um, who studied the hardest, who never wanted to take a rep off, whether it was practice or a game. Um, just two just two competitive jokers who want, really competed with each other to be the best. Uh, and they got the best out of each other. So Martin did an unbelievable relationship between those two, um, but also not, not a rivalry, but but a standard um, that they set to push each other. How did they, how did they compete with each other? Oh, and everything. I mean, you <laughs> who has the most picks during the day? Um, you know, in film study, you know, who had the best game? You know, just just every, every way, you know, they, they competed against each other. And they never talked about it, but I could always feel it. <laughs> well, and also when you say they practice the hardest, like a lot of guys at the level are going to practice hard. What did they do differently? And what did he, Emmanuel, do differently that you, that makes you say that? Yeah, we talked about, you know, I told him, hey, walkthroughs are full speed mentally, you know, but walk through pace physically. And they really took heart to that. They put their bodies in the position they're going to be make those plays in. I mean, full speed mentally and everything that they did, they took that serious. And then when you get out on the field, they never took a rep off. They always finished plays in the right position, way, the way we talked about it. And, you know, sometimes you don't get great looks from the scout team. And they will be barking at the scout team. That's not what it looks like. Make sure you're giving me the right look, you know, because they just took their job that serious. How much, did, you know, also being in the SEC, when you're a corner and you're going, you're going to see the Devontae Smiths of the world and all that, like how much did that help him? And what were some matchups that you enjoyed maybe a little bit more watching him in? <laughs> um, I think for, for Emmanuel was uh, this past year versus uh, – uh, the kid from LSU, Butte, that, oh, was a, yeah. that was a fun one to watch. Uh, those two battles, um, you know, Junior was fired up for that game. Um, I think his freshman year versus Devontae Smith, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, I think his reps versus uh, the, the 
the green kid from Georgia a couple years ago. I mean, that was a fantastic, that was a great battle. Um, I mean, the list goes on. I could, I could think of five more. I mean, it's just every week in the, in this league, you're gonna, you're gonna have that kind of matchup. And he always, they always rose to the occasion. Did you see something different in him during the week before those games? Um, no, because I think every game he was he was he was excited for the opportunity. Um, but I I think I could see him get a little bit more excited in pregame, you uh, know, because he, because he's so stoic all the time. You know, he's kind of just a calm, cool cat. I could see him get a little more excited in the pregame um, to play those games because he, he he knew what was coming. I think I've seen I've seen from you, and I've you know even with the coaches here, they'll talk about his presence in the room, and there's a charisma. And it's funny because when you're around him, you know, I know Fred Smoot went to Mississippi State. And yeah. and Fred is a character, right? Yeah. Emmanuel, and so like, you, but Emmanuel is, seems to be very quiet when you're meeting him. So what does he show that, like, what is he like behind the scenes that that makes people say that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, it's more of a feeling, right? When, when you see him, the way he works, how he does, how he handles his business. You know, he does everything with supreme confidence, right? Um, and people gravitate towards him and people follow him. And you can see that. Um, so I think it's more of a feeling than it is him okay. being boisterous. But when he does open his mouth, you, you see it too. You know, he, he makes people smile. There isn't a person on campus that doesn't love him, man, because <laughs> they have an experience with him, you know, where he's made them feel great, you know. So uh, just, just part of his personality. The other thing, obviously, that everybody talks about with him is the weight. And I didn't want to ask you this earlier because I think there's so many other parts to his game that mm. ma that matter more. But that is a part. I, I think if he were 15 pounds heavier, he's a top 10 pick. Um, so what when did you what did you think about that? And when did you get past thinking that he had to put on more to do this? Yeah, you know, his, his freshman year is 150 pounds. and We're going to play an all SEC schedule because of COVID. <laughs> Um, and we, we opened with the national, you know, defending national champions, LSU. And I want to get him in the game, but I'm so scared because I'm responsible for him. Mm. I'm like 150 pounds. So I put him out there for a couple snaps. They run the ball right at him. I pull him out. He doesn't do anything wrong. I just pull him out because I'm nervous. Um, Martin actually goes down. So I, I got to put him in. And he's banging. He's throwing his body around and he's making plays and he's talking stuff. You know, he's talking a little trash, ends up with an interception. And I'm like, this kid, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you got, don't, don't overthink it. And that's right. what I had to tell myself in that scenario. I said, but when we talked a lot about how to tackle, you know, what scenarios you're going to be in, how people are going to attack you. Right. And we worked on a lot of those things throughout the week. And I mean, people ran the next, the, his very first start versus Kentucky. You know, they would flip the back, the big running back they got, who's a heck of a player, and they'd flip the back and run right at Emmanuel. And Emmanuel would come up and, boom, knock him down. And, that you know, it was it. And you looking around like that's the only thing that I, I was – only thing I was hesitant on, and he showed me. So he's a guy, you know. And he, he put on – if he was there at 150, he's now around, around 170. So he did put yeah. on the weight. Like, how did he – how did the, you know, what was that process like? Was it, is that just, you know, what, what was that process like? He, he worked hard at it. Um, but honestly, it came natural because he was, he was just a young guy coming from high school, probably didn't eat correctly. 
got to college, started to eat better, you know, putting the right things in his body. And he, as you know, as you get older, you gain more weight. So, you know, I don't think the weight will be an issue. I think he'll be 180, 180, between 180, 185. And, and, and it'll be a thing of the past, you know. And when he was also one of 10 siblings, I'm sure there may have been a little competition for food in that house. <laughs> yeah, just that's a little bit. <laughs> but the other thing that I noticed about him, too, and not and I didn't sit there and watch every game he played, but you'd see on like some screens and some run plays where if he diagnoses it fast, he beats a guy to the spot. So there was a screen yep. in one game where the guard's pulling to go get him, but he reads it so well and so fast that he. He gets his hands on the guy. He turns him in. Someone else. He helps make the tackle. The guy yep. can't. The guard doesn't block him. So yeah. you know what I mean. Like there, there are other ways. You know, it seems like there are other ways for him to to mitigate that issue. Yeah, absolutely. And he he knows that, right? He he knows uh, how people may try to attack him. So he works on those things. He puts himself in those situations. Like I said, he's he's playing the game above the net. Um, and he knows how to defeat a pulling guard or how to defeat a, a, a tackle, you know, on the screen or or or, or a big receiver out on the perimeter. Um, so he puts himself in those situations and he works on them. Um, and he, quite frankly, outsmarts him quite most of the time. Yeah, and that's what I said. That you know, there are ways that you can you can use you use your strength to your advantage, and the strength is the quickness in diagnosing, and so yep. the speed in diagnosing the play. So use that to your advantage. Um, yep. You also you played for Jack Del Rio, huh? In Jacksonville, I uh, yeah, uh, I think they signed me, and uh, can't quite I can't quite remember, but for, I played for him for a little bit. I think I was there a couple games. Okay, what do you remember about him? Um, I just know he's intense. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember mostly uh, my, my my combine interview with him. He was an intense guy, you know, just <laughs> and, and very sharp, uh, but. Like I said, I, the thing that sticks out to me the most was how intense he was, which you love, you know, as a as a as a defense uh, player. And then you also played with Champ and Brian Dawkins. What kind of things did you learn and you know learn from them that you maybe have transferred to coaching that maybe rubs off on a guy like Emmanuel? What what things did you learn? Yeah, I mean a ton. Just kind of work ethic, you know, just being a pro. You know, I talked you know, talk to Emmanuel. I said, you you, know, you got to start being a pro now if you really want to be a pro as a freshman. You know, it's a process and you got to learn it and you got to be consistent. And he really took hold of that. And I just remember my rookie year, those guys kind of taking me under the wing and teach, trying to teach me how to be a pro, um, which which goes a long way. Consistency, you know, has results that that, that eventually you want um, you get if you're consistent. And that's what I try to preach to him the most. That's probably – the biggest thing I've learned from those guys. Did you tell them that you picked off Peyton Manning? <laughs> no, I didn't tell him that. You know, he, he, the, the kids nowadays they Google you. You know, uh, so when I got <laughs> when I got the job, you know, he, they all Google me. Oh, you picked off Peyton Manning? I did, I did, and uh, I got him. You know, <laughs> the old fake cover three drop in the quarters. <laughs> there, you, there. You, where do you? And the last thing then with with Emmanuel, where because. It seemed one of the things they liked about him is the versatility. So how, like, what is as a, as a, in terms of zone man? How does he fit best, or why does he work in both? Yeah, I think he works in both because, like I said, how how smart he is, his feel and his instincts in zone, right, are second to none in my opinion, um, and makes a lot of plays in zone uh, and playing off band, which make making it look like zone um, and man coverage. He's so quick laterally 
right? And his arms are so long and yeah. people can't to run routes. They yeah, really got to try and run around him, which he's a 4-3 guy. He can't do it, right? And he has ball skills like a receiver. So if the ball is in the air, <laughs> it's a problem for you. So it, I, I just think he fits in both. I've never – there was never a time where I thought, I don't want to put him in that situation. It was always like, it got to a point, you know, his sophomore, junior year, you know, situ we talk situational stuff, but hey, you go, to, you feel it out. You go down there and play, play what you feel is best because you're equally both it, you're equally good at both. Right. Anything else we need to know about Emmanuel up here? You got to stud. You got to stud. <laughs> Darcel, I appreciate your time, man. I really do. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-patrollable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Darcel for joining me and thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode on Thursday night slash Friday morning on the, on the video. Talk to you next time.